I'm Chris Stevenson, and this is Strange Assembly, episode 83, Thunderscape. Never Stop Gaming. Strange Assembly is a podcast and website about board games, card games, and role-playing games. Legend of the Five Rings, and beyond. Welcome back to Strange Assembly. I'm here today with Sean Carmen. Hi, Sean. Hi, Chris. How are you? Doing well. Now, most of you probably know Sean from his role as the head of the Legend of the Five Rings role-playing game team and as the head of the story team for Legend of the Five Rings. But we are here today to talk about Sean's Kickstarter project, or I guess Sean and Company's Kickstarter project, Thunderscape, the world of Aiden. So why don't you tell us what Thunderscape is? All right, well, the Thunderscape that we are working on, that the, that the Kickstarter relates to, is a, a source book for the Pathfinder role-playing game, covering both a new campaign setting as well as introducing a host of new mechanics for the game. As for what Thunderscape is before that, it actually goes back uh, quite some way. Touched on this briefly on the Kickstarter page itself, and then and we talked about it a little bit on the Facebook page. But Thunderscape was a PC game that came out in 1995, published by uh, Strategic Simulations Incorporated, SSI. Uh, it was apparently, you know, as popular as a PC game could be back then. It, it did very well. They released a second game set in the same campaign world, so to speak, that same year. So apparently it did well enough for them to, to really crank out a, a second one very quickly. After that, in 96, they released three novels and then a pair of role-playing game supplements by Westin Games uh, using their D6 and Masterbook systems. Uh, and then after that, it pretty much just dropped off the face of the earth and no one has seen or heard from it since. My friends and I, the, the gaming group that I've been playing with since I was in high school, uh, we picked up the, we were big Weston Kane fans back then. Of course, you know, Star Wars D6 game, everybody loves that. Uh, we, we tried out a lot of their, their secondary settings and we picked up Aiden just kind of on a lark and, uh, you know, just, just loved it. You know, we, we've played, we have been running various games in that setting for almost 20 years and, and we are just, uh, have, have always been crazy about it. And so for actually for about 10 years now, or maybe even a little longer, we have periodically harassed, uh, Shane Hensley. Uh, you guys probably know him, the creator of Deadlands and Savage Worlds and, and things like that. He owned the uh, copyrights uh, to all of it because he was instrumental in creating the world on behalf of SSI. He wrote one of the three novels, the best of the three, in my opinion, and wrote the, the books for uh, Weston Games, and so uh, he ended up with the copyrights when everything folded back in the late 90s. And so for, you know, 10 years off and on, periodically, I would attempt to harass him into selling them to me, and he was always reluctant, but uh, he agreed. I think finally, I, I, you know, I don't know if it was the, the business plan I presented or whatever, he finally decided I had the, uh, the skill set necessary to actually make it happen. So he sold us the rights late last year, and we've been working on it ever since. And so the Kickstarter that we have set up is intended to help us raise the money we need 
to pay for uh, interior art. Pretty much everything else we've already got taken care of. But uh, having worked on L5R for so long, you know, I, I just, I, I guess I've been spoiled by AEG's art department because I feel like if you're going to put out a book, it has to look fantastic, right? And uh, the art that we use in the L5R RPG is just, you know, amazing. Everybody says it's, it's, they're some of the prettiest books on the market right now. And I want to, uh, I want to maintain that kind of feel. You know, I want to have that kind of reputation. Uh, I want it to look that good when we, when we finally put it out. So. That's why we went to Kickstarter. Well, let me ask you what's probably an unimportant question. You mentioned uh, the the original video games were SSI, and I see that those came out in the '90s. Were those in the same style as the as like the Dragonlance trilogy and the Pool of Radiance trilogy? Are you referring to the Dragonlance trilogy, the novels, or the uh, the video games? The video games. I don't think I ever actually played those. The truth of the matter is, by the time I tracked down a copy of the first Thunderscape game on PC. It was, I mean, this was early 2000s. It was, uh, I, I couldn't find a computer that would run it. Uh, I mean, I went to my father's house and he had the oldest computer I knew to find and it was still had trouble just because the divide, you know, in five, eight years, whatever it had been, uh, was uh, enough that... Your system needs 128 KB of high mem <laughs> not sys. You don't have that anymore. I, <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> So, you know, even if you have it, like somebody posted on, the, I think, the Kickstarter, one of the threads that I've, I've put up about it, that they still had the discs uh, and they wanted to play it. They just they couldn't because literally no computer that, uh, that anybody has access to will run it anymore. So the only time I've ever actually seen the gameplay is when I go and check it out on YouTube. And, uh, of course, you know, it looks pretty primitive by uh, by today's standards, of course, but. All the all the the videos had people gushing about how much they loved it back in the day, so I assume it was pretty cutting edge back then. Um, <laughs> but I don't, you know, a lot of things were cutting edge back then. I guess I don't know. Were they still using leeches in hospitals? I'm not sure. The Kickstarter ends on April 12th, right? That's correct. Friday, April 12th at 10:30 uh, p.m. I think. I guess it, it sounds like the sort of default thing that you'd be getting if you do back the Kickstarter is the core campaign setting book is that correct that's correct of course we have a, a lower pledge level for people who you know we have a lot of people who don't want to have to pay particularly international customers who don't want to have to pay the shipping cost because you know shipping a book overseas is pretty exorbitant so of course like at the lowest possible level well i mean you can pledge money and not get anything but it seems kind of you know i guess that's for like my distant relatives to use i don't know <laughs> but so like the lowest level where there's actually a substantial reward allows you to get access to the PDFs and then it scales up from there. You know, the, uh, the kind of the sweet spot is the, the $40 level where you get, um, at this point, because of our first stretch goal, um, at the $40 level, you get a print and PDF copy of the core rule book or the, the core setting, uh, book, Thunderscape and a, um, a print and PDF version of an adventure module that will accompany it so that you can get started playing in, in the world. And then depending upon how things go, you know, it, it, there, there could be more added to that level at this point uh, based on you know, whether or not we reach any other of our goals. At this point. Yeah, well, I think as of right now, you've hit the your second stretch goal. We did. We hit it yesterday. It's for a, we're going to produce a conversion guide uh, free to everybody who pledges. Anybody who wants it will be able to get a copy of it. It's PDF only. We're not planning to, to print it, but you know that it should be fairly graphics light, so it should be easily printable if anybody wants a copy. 
But um, really the, the goal there for that, the reason that I included that was because Aiden, as much as I love it and as much as I've tried to develop it as it's, you know, as I've as over the years, as a, either as a GM or in the past six months as a, as a writer, as much as I've developed it, you know, the core concepts and the, the, the real idea behind the world itself was uh, was developed, as I said, by Shane Hensley. Um, and, of course, he's best known for Deadlands and Savage Worlds. And Savage Worlds is extremely popular. And uh, so the idea for the conversion guide came about just because I felt like it was the right thing to do to to have a, something that would allow people who like Shane's work, whether a setting or his system, to put the two together and be able to play a Thunderscape game using Savage Worlds. So I have uh, I've contacted him about that, actually, to recommend a freelancer that, that, that can you know really do the rules justice and to make sure that we're in compliance with uh, any of the uh, the restrictions on using his system, uh, even on a, on a free product. Um, and I've got some other people who have volunteered to work just on, on settings that they love that they're, you know, or I'm sorry, systems that they love that are uh, free for people to use. You know, Fate is, is one of them that a lot of people are really crazy about. And uh, I have some, some people I know who are extremely talented with that, want to work on that. Open D6 is available, and I'm a huge D6 fan for, for 20 years now, so I can do that myself. I'm going to test the waters and see if they'll let me um, let me do a version of the roll and keep rules, actually, for um, from AEG, but they've never licensed that sort of thing out before. I don't know if they like me enough to let me do that. We'll just have to wait and see what the, what the legal issues are, but I'm going to ask if you can't hurt, right? <laughs> I mean, I'm the head RPG guy, so in theory, I could approve it myself. Although that seems vaguely country, you know, like a little bit of like a conflict of interest. So I want to be careful. That that seems like the sort of thing that Nicola or Todd or Zinzer or <laughs> someone else in the company would uh I would, would throw a flag on. Question. Yeah. <laughs> Although I did have someone on on one of the boards who uh, messaged me privately uh, after somebody had posted a thread about it and uh, inquired about, and it was very polite, it wasn't accusatory, but inquired about whether or not I felt like what I was doing was a conflict of interest, just producing a role-playing game when I work for a gaming company. So if there's anyone out there who shares that line of thinking, I'll tell you what I told him, which is that uh, I spoke with John Zinzer uh, in, before we even completed purchasing the rights, for Aiden to, to make sure that he understood, you know, that this was in process, you know, and I saw his advice about how the deal worked out and, uh, he was very supportive, you know, and I, I mentioned the Kickstarter to him and everything. And he was, he, he was very, uh, uh, very, again, remained very supportive and encouraged me to move ahead with it and, uh, gave me some advice for how to handle our first Gen Con and things like that. Of course, I'll be there working for AEG, but my, uh, my compatriots were hoping we'll be able to have some of the print run ready by Gen Con, but that is going to be really, really close. So we're, we're just kind of waiting to see how it shakes out for me. But yeah, no, so, so I, I try to pride myself on being professional and I made sure that I consulted with my boss beforehand. The fact that I'm technically part-time staff, I think helped out quite a bit. Uh, so <laughs> see how that, see how that goes in the long run. And I did like on the Kickstarter, yeah, it seemed to have a lot of solid, very reachable stretch goals. Like I would be very surprised if you didn't hit the next couple. And I like that. At that point, you're actually getting the GM screen. I've right. never really found the GM screen to be worth a separate twenty dollars that sometimes people want to. Right, right. As no, it depends. It depends on you know GM screens either tend to be very functional or or largely useless, and it just kind of depends. It seems to be a lot of the latter 
Um, although a lot of them are really pretty to look at. So uh, I'm hoping ours can be both. But, uh, you know, I didn't feel like so that's one of the things I've learned working for AEG is that very niche specific targeted products like that. That's not something that sells particularly well retail wise. So I didn't feel like it was something that warranted its own release. If we were going to do one and people, some, some people want one, then we should just throw it in with the core if we get to a certain point. So that worked out nicely. Yeah. And it does sound like you have, I don't know how definite they are, but plans to release Thunderscape products beyond just the the campaign setting at least several books beyond that i do I, i've been working on on uh, kind of some outlines for that that i think would carry us through a minimum of, of two or three years uh, depending upon how aggressive we pursue uh the schedule and i don't think it'll be extremely aggressive just because i'm going to be the principal writer and this is you know my third job really so fourth if you count freelancing for other companies you know, I anticipate a, um, a number of other releases spaced out over the course of a few years. I have ideas about them, but what I want to do is when the Kickstarter is uh, is finished, you know, the, the people who have backed it are the ones who have really made it possible for us to do anything. Um, and so I really want to, to take their thoughts and wishes into account. So I plan to do several uh, surveys of the, the backer group. Um, after the Kickstarter is over in order to try and figure out, you know, what, what is the, what are the things that people find most interesting? You know, what do we need to explore first? Things like that. You know, what makes it easier for people to, to buy into the, the setting at an early stage? All sorts of, sorts of things of that nature. Just to try and, and help give. I mean, if the one thing working on L5R for so long has taught me is that if, you know, if you share ownership with people who enjoy it, um, it really enhances the experience for everybody, right? So, so that's kind of, the sort of thing I want to do here, and it's just going to be so much smaller than L5R that it'll be able to be able to do a lot more managerial involvement, I think, on the part of, of the customer. Now, you mentioned the setting and people embracing the setting. What, I mean, what's your pitch or description of Thunderscape? I know it looks like there are gears in the, the logo. I don't know. Is it fair to describe it? Is steampunk at all, or fantasy well, steampunk, or steam is accurate. Um, you know, <laughs> steampunk as a term, uh, the, the punk kind of implies sort of a dystopian aspect to it, or at least that's always been my interpretation of steampunk. And I wouldn't say that that part is necessarily accurate. I, if I am asked to describe it, I usually describe it as steam tech, which is a uh, quibbling over words is kind of something I do, I guess. I would describe it as the state of Aiden at the time of the of the that's depicted in the core book as sort of like post-apocalyptic steam tech fantasy horror, right? I mean it's which is ridiculously elaborate. But you know the the setting is this this incredibly rich and vibrant fantasy world uh that's had, you know, a lengthy period of peace. Which, you know, it reminds me, that's the similarity it has with Broken Gone, actually, which I worry people will think that I, I just stole that, but that actually predates my involvement with L5O. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, one of the most recent um, developments in the history of this world is the discovery of a, a new mineral that allows them to take magic and technology to things that have, that have been developing kind of parallel to one another, and they can smash them together and create this brand new uh, incredibly vibrant art that benefits from not only a thousand years of research of magic, but a thousand years of development of technology as well. So it's, it's, it's got all the benefits of both and makes it very, a very potent 
force to be reckoned with, right, uh, in terms of its capabilities compared to other things. Um, and that probably in and of itself would have wrought, you know, incredible changes in the world of Aiden if it had progressed normally. But unfortunately, it didn't because the most pivotal event in the world's entire history uh, occurred a mere 10 years before uh, the campaign setting, its depiction of the world. And it was this supernatural cataclysm called the Dark Fall, which presently no one understands. No one has any idea what happened. The cold spring day, suddenly there's a completely unexpected uh, eclipse. The sun just goes black for a few moments. And during that time, all sorts of horrible creatures you know, appear from nowhere, crawl out of the shadows, crawl out of the darkness, and begin uh, rampaging all across the place. You know, they're eventually they're called the nocturnals as a um, as a whole. But upon their first appearance, nobody has any idea who or what they are. Some of them are things that no one's ever seen. Some of them are, are you know, stories that people would tell their kids to get them to go to bed at night. It's just all manner of, of terrible things that inspire fear and horror in everybody who sees them. And so then the, the sun comes back a few minutes later, but in, in just the span of a day, tens of thousands of people have been killed. Entire cities have been burned to the ground. And now, ten years later, the world is, is a completely different place than it was before the Dark Fall. And people are just struggling to survive. No one knows what caused it. No one knows how to stop it. Everybody's just hoping that they can figure out what to do before the inevitable decay of, of their society continues and just tears everything apart. And, of course, the stress of that kind of struggle is also dramatically changed the uh, political landscape as well. And so nations that had been you know, that had cooperated with one another for a thousand years uh, are now finding themselves, you know, desperately at odds with one another, uh, with, with one another over things that, uh, you know, could make the difference about whether they live or die. Some of the nations that existed before the Dark Fall are gone, replaced by new ones. It's just an incredible setting with, with so much, you know, opportunity. I've run, gosh, over the past 18 years, I guess, since I first got the books and started with playing with it. We've had, you know, a dozen maybe campaigns that we've run of varying lengths uh, in the setting, maybe, you know, 8, 10, 12, somewhere in that range. Uh, we've done, you know, pulp action. We've done political intrigue. We've done horror. Just it supports just so, so naturally, so organically any kind of game you want to run. And I just like if there's ever an idea that I have about a type of game I want to run, I know I can use Aiden and it'll work out perfectly. So it's it's kind of my go-to and has been for a very long time, and now I just want to, uh, I've enjoyed it so much, and I, I, I think it has so much to offer to uh, the GM, so I'm just, uh, I'm really eager to share it with other people and see what they think. On the mechanical front, uh, I noticed you mentioned the the fusion of technology and magic, and I am I, I think that there is a, a core class that sounded pretty cool called the, the Mecha Mage for that, and let me also throw in a question, am I correct in understanding that a lot of the mechanical work for Thunderscape was done by Rich Wolf, another name that may be slightly familiar to Legend of the Five Rings players. Yes, yes. Uh, Rich, of course, Rich was the story lead before me, brought me in on the team. Uh, you know, I feel like he taught me the majority of anything that makes me good at my job currently. There's a 99% chance that I got it from Rich. And in addition to that, I mean, he's he's incredible at mechanical design uh, always has been in the, the different RPGs we've played together. He's without question the best GM I've ever played under. Uh, we ran an online Pathfinder game a couple of years ago, and it was just, I was 
checking my phone. I had recently gotten a smartphone and uh, I would check, you know, for updates on the page every 10 minutes just for days on end because I was, I was so caught up in it. It was such an incredible story that he was telling, you know, when it comes to RPGs, he's just amazing. He, you know, he's like Rain Man without the autism. And so when I knew that we were going to do Pathfinder because, in my opinion, uh, the setting and Pathfinder just mesh incredibly well together. My first and only person on the list that I wanted to talk to about designing some of the new options for it was Rich. And fortunately, he, he was eager to jump on. As you said, yes, we have at present, we have four new base classes that we are introducing with the book, all of which are tied very specifically to the setting. I mean, you could port them into other campaign settings if there's people out there who are all about mining books for mechanics and things. I feel like they're, they've got a, you know, that their design allows for a lot of flexibility, but I think that they're just perfect representations of the setting as a whole. Uh, one of them, as you say, is, is, uh, Mecha Mage, which is one of the ones that we're working on presently. It's sort of like Summoner, only not real. If you're familiar with Pathfinder, you know, there's the Summoner class, uh, which allows, you know, gives the, the player a, a pet, so to speak. And this is similar in some respects to that in terms of the high concept. It's just that the the spell progression and the innate abilities of the caster work very well with the the pet in question, which is a mecha magical golem, right? Of some of one form or another, you get a lot of ability to customize it. Um, but that uh, that works. That allows you to create a uh, uh, an avatar of this this arcane art that's been introduced in the setting, and uh, you know dispatch it to do your own thing. Although it doesn't leave the the character, I mean, it's not by any means helpless. It's a, it's a very nice fusion. It's a really hard, it's a really hard line to walk. I feel like in order to give your character a uh, a tool like that that's useful while not rendering your, you know, dividing your character into two, basically the caster and the golem, without making either of them overpowered or, or worthless. But I feel like Rich has done a, a tremendous job with it. Um, and then the other one that we're talking about, Mecha Magic, that um, I previewed for some some concept art for uh, on the Kickstarter and on the Facebook page is the Golemoid uh, Warrior. And in the past few years in Aiden, since the Dark Fall, the most powerful Mecha Mages have realized that they can use their magic to allow the replacement of missing body parts to create a, uh, a part human, part magical machine characters called Golemoid. So if, uh, you know, an old soldier loses an arm in battle, he can shell out his life savings and get a, a Mecha Magical replacement and go right back to, uh, right back to the fray. Uh, and it's just like a very primitive uh, Steam Tech version and sort of like a cyborg, which Rich has der- derived around or designed around three different concepts, either one that has built-in weaponry that allows them to use, you know, sort of range combat uh, or somebody who uh, uses really, you know, uses the, the capabilities of their new uh, limbs to utilize really oversized weapons or, of course, my personal favorite. The guy with the metal hand who just punches you in the mouth with them until you can't remember where you came from. So the, those two are are very interesting and intrinsically tied to the, the the Steam Tech concept of the of the setting. The other two, one of them is, uh, are, are actually the first two are tied to the to Mecha Magic pretty closely, obviously. The second two are more tied to the events of the Dark Fall itself, and so they have a little bit more mystery surrounding them, but. The idea is that uh, those types of characters give you some insight as to into what exactly the Dark Fall is. And that's not something that's ever been explored 
in any of the existing materials. None of the, neither of the games, uh, none of the three novels and neither of the two, neither of the two, uh, West End game supplements ever detailed what the Dark Ball is. The truth of the matter is that people in Aiden have no idea what caused it or what happened. So, I mean, I'm probably the biggest Aiden fan in the world. Uh, and I had no idea what it was until I finished the contract with, uh, Shane Hensley and he emailed me the, uh, the world Bible that they had uh, put together back in the mid nineties when they were creating the world for SSI. And so I poured through that pretty extensively until I finally found the part that detailed exactly what the dark fall was and what caused it. And it was so much cooler than the stuff I'd come up with. <laughs> and so we, we've kind of taken that into account when designing the, the core setting and, um, you know, I've had my concerns about the fact that initially, at least within the core setting, you know, the readers don't know what caused it, right? And I know that some people that kind of annoy some people. I still read complaints about Matt Forbeck's Brave New World uh, role-playing game that AEG published years and years ago. Because after you got the base books, there was a whole bunch of stuff you didn't know about what was going on in the setting, and it drove some people nuts. But I think the the concept of it and the, the mystery of it is such that it makes it, worthwhile to, to prolong it just a little bit. And uh, I'm thinking that what we might do is one of our first uh, series of projects after the core book is that we'll do an adventure path uh, series of six modules that may reveal some hint as to what what the uh, the Dark Ball is and how it can, might be able to be stopped. And of course, if we ever allow the players that kind of control, of course, they're going to do it, right? It's like if you give it stats, they'll kill it. Or if you, you, know, if you explain something, they'll figure out a way to get rid of it. <laughs> so we have to uh, make sure that the setting or evolves organically over time so that if the dark fall is ever eliminated in an individual GM's campaign, he still has plenty of unpleasant things going on that can can get the characters all bound up in and, and uh, give them plenty of things to do in a campaign. Okay. Now, if anybody has particularly enjoyed listening to the dulcet tones of Mr. Carmen over Skype, you should probably point out that one of the pledge levels, I uh, guess one of the moderate pledge levels, I'd say, $200, includes the opportunity to have uh, Sean personally host a Thunderscape game for you and your and other people at that pledge level on Skype, and it looked like there were lots of opportunities in the pledge levels to contribute to fleshing out the world of, of Thunderscape. Was there anything over there in that sidebar you wanted to highlight, John? Oh, I did wanted to emphasize it's, you know, I'm not going to lie. It's, it's extremely expensive, but there are very specifically two areas of the map of Aiden, which you can see, you know, again, both Kickstarter and Facebook. There are two very large islands, uh, sort of archipelagos off the coast of the main continent, which one of which has been there the entire time. It's every map that's ever been made of Aiden from the back of the 90s had it there. And it's never been, you know, no one's ever talked about what's on that, right? That's never been discussed what's there. And then just for the sake of uh, bilateral symmetry, we had, a, we had our cartographer put another one on the south. And then uh, it occurred to me that if, you know, rather than just coming up with something to put there, you know, if I'm going to put another nation on this or I'm going to I'm going to put some dire threat that there's a reason that there's no never been anybody settled that island that I might as well give that opportunity to people who are interested in, in the project and develop it. So, uh, you know, there's two ridiculous play, uh, pledge levels, and I, I feel honestly bad about even discussing them because they're so expensive. But uh, there's four slots at a 1,000, which allow, you know, if, if anybody pledges those, the, you know, up to four people 
uh, will work with me specifically and we will design an entire nation uh, that we will go back and retroactively fit into Hayden's history so it will have been there all the time. It's got plenty of opportunities for establishing its history, its government, its heroes. Uh, you know, it can have new races associated with it. Both of those, all of that can be done at the thousand level and then the two thousand level, which inexplicably we have one person, uh, who pledged two thousand. I love you, Dave Campos, but, uh, that will not only can you, is there another nation being designed at the two thousand level, but for everybody who is pledges at that level who creates a character, I will write a novel that involves that group of characters as a result and, uh, and we'll, we'll release it at some point in the future once it's finished. So it'll be the first new novel about Thunderscape, and it'll actually be the first novel I've ever written. But I'm, I'm, I'm kind of excited by the idea. I, I trust, like I said, there's only one person there now, so you know, and I trust him not to do anything weird. But uh, everybody has warned me that the opportunity is rife for abuse. Uh, but I, I have, I, I feel like anybody who's willing to pay that much money probably has a legitimate want, desire to uh, to see a certain thing accomplished, and I want to work with them on it. So I guess I'm overly optimistic. Well, I'm, I'm I'm sure you've had lots of experience uh, so far with uh, people generating story results in that other game of yours that yeah. uh, <laughs> are for that the purposes of wreaking one, havoc. Hang water spirit that one time. <laughs> yeah, and actually, I I thought that I that they it is it is certainly a lot, but I think those are actually given what you get that those price tags seem. Relatively reasonable compared to what I've seen in some other Kickstarter projects, where you might pay that to have like a magic item. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. Anybody who is uh, you know has questions, feel free to post on the the Kickstarter, or Facebook, or wherever, and I will be delighted to uh, to discuss it with you. I want people to know what it is. I really feel like it's something that anybody who's a real fan of of kind of the old school high fantasy. Uh, gaming settings would really get into if they gave it a chance, and I'm happy to discuss it with anybody who wants to talk about it. So feel free to email me, post, whatever you like. Okay, and uh, the Facebook page is facebook.com slash Thunderscape, uh, mm-hmm. or obviously you can just search for Thunderscape there or on Kickstarter. Yes, uh, the Kickstarter URL is ridiculous. Um, just if you want to see that, there's a link from Facebook, or just go to... Uh, Go to Kickstarter and search for Thunderscape, and we're, I'm sure we're the only one with that name. But uh, I would read the Earl, but it's, you know, 45 characters long and has lots of numbers. So <laughs> it, I, don't, yes. I don't think it would yeah. do anyone any good, right? <clears throat> I, I doubt that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for coming on with us, Sean. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you for having me. Hey, this is Chris Stevenson. Uh, you've been listening to an interview with Sean Carmen about Thunderscape, the world of Aiden. So go check it out on Kickstarter, and we'll see you next time, guys. <laughs> <laughs>